Welcome to our special weekly podcast, SME SOS. Each week I'll be sharing this additional podcast taken from my weekly live interviews on Instagram with industry leaders and founders, all of whom share their insights and advice for businesses navigating this unprecedented time of uncertainty, but also opportunity. My usual podcast, Conversations of Inspiration, is still coming out every Monday where I share soulful founder stories or those who simply inspire me. But thanks to Dell, we are able to continue creating this unique podcast for the small business community at a time where we need all the advice we can get. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going you won't need to bring your frown. In this week's episode we tackle two elements at the very heart of every successful creative business. Getting to grips with your finances and understanding what makes a brilliant product. I'll be welcoming Emily Belay, founder of Vespod and Ella D'Amato, chief commercial and marketing officer of Not on the High Street. Now I don't mean to make it sound so simple. I, of all people, know that there are many, many more elements that go into building a thriving business. But I really do believe that if you can get, you know, these two things right, then you're certainly going to make life a lot easier. So on to my first guest this week, Emily Belay, ex-private equity analyst from Lehman Brothers. Emily founded Vespod to empower women financially, and I really think she is at the start of something huge here. As a subject matter, talking about money and demystifying finance, which so often sits at the very heart of imposter syndrome, it's something that I am passionate about. As we talk about here, there is this inherent reluctance to take real control of our savings and investments. But as I always say, cash is queen. It is the lifeblood of our businesses, so we must embrace it head on. Now tell me, um, you previously worked in private equity um, and started your career at Lehman Brothers. And I can only imagine what a male-dominated environment that you sort of kick-started your world in. Can you share with us a bit about what led you to launching Vestpod? Was it that experience that made you want to lead that mission for women to feel empowered with money? Yeah, so I, I studied uh, mostly economics, how to manage businesses. Um, and I thought, okay, why, why don't I go into, you know, big American bank? I will learn a lot. So I must say, when you, when you join one of these big banks, I mean, at least at the time, uh, I mean, that wasn't too bad in terms of men and women joining the firm. I think in my promotion, we were mostly, I mean, almost half and half. The problem okay. is, is when you start uh, becoming more senior. And I thought, okay, I'm not seeing myself there uh, in the next, you know, 10, 20 years. Uh, I want to have a family, uh, but at least I want to I want to find a purpose. And actually, during these year, years working in finance, I wasn't managing my own finances. So, you know, looking back and looking at the statistics, I realized, yeah, it's, it's actually a, a big issue. Women retire quite poor. They retire on one fifth, 20 percent pension savings of men. Because we are good savers, but we don't invest. Uh, we don't necessarily have, you know, our financial goals. We don't work towards our goals enough. So how can I help women? And where do I start organizing my my own finances? And I think 
when I, I really thought, okay, we need we need something um, in this field is I had a meeting with a financial advisor that was during my banking years. And this guy, it was a guy, sorry, I mean, I'm sure that's tons of amazing advisors, <laughs> but he asked me, where is your husband? And I was like, ah, this is so awkward. I'm here just, you know, to manage my own finances. I'm earning money. Uh, so what about these women who actually don't earn that much money and where where do we actually do we actually start? So I think the industry is not making it easy for all of us to to understand our finances. It's really, really interesting. And I love hearing your backstory. So many people watching today, though, are going to be founders and are more acutely aware than ever how life changes. Right. Um, and the importance of having cash in the bank for a rainy day, or now we can call it our sort of pandemic fund. Um, what are your top tips, um, you know, your top couple of tips for saving at this time? So you always need some money on the side. Yeah. And when you run your business, sometimes you tend to put all your money together, your business money, your personal money. What I would tend to say is try to separate both of them. And you need cash for yourself and you need cash um, in your business. So advisors would recommend you have three to six months of living expenses on a bank account. That's a lot of money. And maybe you don't need to start there. But can you start with a few hundred getting to a few thousand? So how do you actually save for this money? The first thing I would do is, I mean, that sounds really boring, but it's actually to make a budget because most people are not really aware of how and where they're spending money and try to break down your expenses into three categories, maybe the essentials, rent, debt repayments, you know, your bills. Um, then you have a category for saving. Are you saving any money? If you're not at the moment, that's fine, but maybe you should try to increase this saving pocket uh, and then your lifestyle expenses. So one, I think for me, knowledge is power. Once you know where you're spending your money, then you can work on your number. Now we need some goals. In the end, it's very easy. You earn money, you spend money. The difference is saving. So some very quick tips on, on where to start. One is look at some big spending decisions you've been making. I mean, do this make you happy or not? Like a few months down the line, maybe you could have saved this money and, and use the money for something else or put it in an emergency um, saving account. Can you go and renegotiate all your bills? I think it's a really good time to do it. You could save, I mean, a few hundred pound amounts easily yeah. like renegotiating these, these bills. Uh, another one is subscriptions. You yes. have Netflix, Prime, I have all of them. <laughs> and they're actually super costly. Yeah. Um, so you can just, again, check your bank accounts or use an app. There's a few apps uh, such as Emma, for example. They screen your bank accounts. They tell you this is what you have. Cancel, 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 and you're saving uh, a little bit of oh, money. Oh, what's that app? What's that called again? How There's do you spell it? There's one called Emma, E-M-M-A. One thing that's quite easy for people who think they can't save money uh, is use a micro-saving app. Uh, so an app that will actually round up your saving. So they are linked on your bank account. They are screening your account. Um, I mean, each time you spend a bit of money, they will round up and they will put this money on a saving account. Oh, it's just fantastic tips. Now, just um, before we go on, because I've got I had a couple of more questions. Tell me, um, one of the things forever that I have been asked is, can you just give me a format to how my budget should look? Where can I go and get that sort of pre-made template? Yeah, so you can Google it. There's plenty on the internet. Uh, there's an app called You Need a Budget. That's really good, where you can yeah. just plug all your numbers. I think you can even link your bank accounts, and that will do your budget for you. But what I would do, 
I think for me, if you really want to empower yourself, I think you really need to do it. You need yes. to own your format. You need to own your numbers. You should really use a format yeah. you, you're comfortable with, some, something that can be, you know, quite, quite fun with a lot of colors. Yeah. Whatever I completely, suits you, you know. I completely agree. And I think get stuck into your finances and actually watch the empowerment that you get. No, I, I completely agree with you, Holly. And, and for me, doing this work for your finances, you're not doing it for anyone else. You're just doing it for yourself. So learn the basics. Um, I know some people can have this, this blocks around, around numbers. They don't like numbers because they didn't like math at school for some reason. We're just talking like very simple numbers. Then we can talk about saving more. We can talk about investing more, but it's so, so gratifying to do it for yourself and to see that you know, you, you, you have the power to, to know what's going to happen to your money. So I know I'll have enough money for the next five years for my medium term goals. I will have enough money to retire at this age, potentially. But I know I'm saving for my future. I'm saving for my family. I'm saving for my kids. And mm. women are really, really good at that. So try to find the things that really motivate you. I think it's the same in business. You would have very ambitious goals, hopefully for, for your business. Um, yeah. I love people who have this, you know, boards with images of, you know, places they want to go, uh, houses they want to buy. I know some people even go and visit these houses to touch the walls. So try to find wow. where is the motivation in, in, in these things, you know? It's such, such good advice to visualize. And again, isn't that, that's making it creative. Also, I just say before asking you a couple of um, comments from the community is I also think that there's something about women where potentially our male counterparts don't mind talking about how much money they've earned or, you know, it's a sign of success. And, you know, women tend to think of it very differently. Is that something you found through Vespod? Yeah. So for, for me, this conversation around money is, is one of the most important thing, because as I said, you know, all these things, where, where do you actually start? If you never talk about money, you don't have the vocabulary to talk about money. You don't have the confidence. So you really need to get started. So I've created Vespod because I wanted a place where women would feel okay to open up and talk about money by hearing other women sharing their personal stories. Mm. So you need to find relatable stories. I think we've been sold, uh, you, you know, financial products by banks who were mostly made by men mm -hmm. for men. Uh, we, we can't really relate to that. Women are not so interested in financial products. They're interested in financial goals, a more holistic approach. I mean, how do yes. we feel about money? How can we have enough money for ourselves, for our families, for our communities? And, and the environment hasn't been very friendly, um, especially for, for women. So oh. have a place for women. Find your, your, your money friends, money partners, start to have this conversation. So how do we, you know, collectively yes. work um, for women to, to earn more money and save more money? Because that's going to be the key to reduce um, the gender wealth gap. Um, and I wanted to just um, say the brand informer says this is such an amazing topic for a live. Thank you, Miss J. Deed. I love the way you are delivering this financial advice. So clear. And I love this word, so gentle. And I think that's a really interesting word. Uh, my paper forest, a question. I applied for a government small loan to invest for my business. Am I mad doing that now? No. <laughs> no I, I mean, agree. Why, why, why not? I mean, you, I think we have to realize that we're in survival mode um, at the moment. So if you think you can get help from somewhere, just go and get it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, if you need the money, um, maybe it's partnerships. Um, 
you were talking a little bit about you know money and and being bossy and raising a lot of money and VC. So I've I've raised money for my previous business. Um, it didn't work. It didn't work. So I've decided to bootstrap completely for Vespod. And I think if you are at the moment building a business, uh, you need some money from somewhere. Can you try to think about the best way to start making money without raising money for your business? Because I think at the moment, apart from maybe getting grants, uh, getting, you know, some help from the government, but to be honest, I mean, I couldn't get any because I wasn't in, you know, the right categories. Yes. I think we are the worst categories, the small, the small businesses. We are not in the big, um, you know, big package from the, from the government. So where can you get some help? Um, of course, you could go and raise VC money at the moment. It's going to take time. I think VCs are in a strong position at the moment. So they will try to get, you know, as much equity from you for maybe not um, so much money. So can you try to bootstrap your business and push it as much as you can without uh, getting external external funding? And it's maybe the time to be a bit more, a bit more cautious. So if you want to, you know, launch a new product and stuff, do it on a very small scale before, you know, spending uh, so much money on it. And I would just add to that because I completely agree with you. When I think about starting Not in the High Street and what I have done with Holly & Co is there is nothing, I would say, more um, strengthening than having to make the most of every single pound you earn. Yeah. This is a really important lesson. Unless you walk the walk, you won't be able to talk the talk as you grow and you obviously will all become successful. I've got more comments. Holly's Gin. This is amazing. I have been trading for nearly two years and really now need to focus on my own wage. Like so many, I work all the hours. Um, yeah. uh, we all know this one, Holly, and uh, all the hours of the day and need to remember why I started. So in terms of, cause that's a big one, right? Everyone yes. here is in the same pot. Yeah. And I mean, I see it myself, like we're spending so much time on our businesses. It's, you know, everything we want to do, we're super passionate about it, but you know, we're giving it all. So make sure you start securing and start securing money for yourself. And it's not going to be in, in one day, but I think what we can work on is really um, our mindset, our money mindset and accepting that money is a good thing. Money is power. Yes. Money is a tool. It's, it's, you know, extremely, extremely powerful in this world. And unfortunately, if you don't have money, you can't achieve your goals um, and you can't, you know, even like running a business, you need money. You need to reinvest this money. So trying to understand, okay, fine. I have a part of money that's for me. I have a part that I reinvest um, in the business, but understanding that, yeah, it's quite good to, to have money yeah. without wanting to be rich or uber rich. Yeah. I don't think that's, that's the purpose, but. I definitely, I remember in my days with Sophie and myself in the beginning days of Not on the High Street, and I was much more cautious. So she was slightly older than me, so she was more um, confident in talking about money, and I wasn't. And I remember her telling me, um, Holly, money is opportunity. You know, money allows you to have opportunities that you can then decide what you do. And that really has stuck with me that money doesn't give you health, doesn't it? But it gives you opportunity, whether that is in your personal life or your business life. Um, but thank you so, so, so much. Thank you, Holly. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I really hope we do more with Emily. I thought she was just so brilliant and insightful. And the comment about her delivering financial advice in a gentle way 
was such a brilliant way to describe her. The feedback that I got from the community after this session really hammered home how much we need to tackle this issue because you all loved it. In fact, it got my very own team talking about it and even empowered a few of them to start their own personal finance spreadsheets. If you want to hear more about what Emily shared with me, head over to holly.co to watch the full film. We know, as Emily said, in order to get a business started, if you can, you should try and bootstrap it as much as possible. But sometimes there is no way to scale unless you do go and find that additional money. So I love this next clip of Sahar Hashimi recounting the early days of Coffee Republic as she struggled to get funding. I think this story, well, it truly encapsulates true entrepreneurial spirit. One of the biggest factors stopping small businesses and entrepreneurs from starting is this lack of investment, isn't it? Or not knowing how to get funding. And over 65% of people use their own savings to start out. But there are many more ways now, obviously, of getting hold of, of, of capital. And I just want to share these stories on this podcast of how people started up those beginning stages. You know, I at Holly & Co are still going through that. We're two years in. You know, it doesn't stop. However many times you've done it, it, you know, starting a business is a precarious and difficult thing to navigate. It's a living thing, isn't it? You You can't tell exactly where it's going to go or how do you get it moving forward. Could you tell the story of how you got your investment for Coffee Republic? In the business plan, we calculated we needed to raise 95 grand because we had to take a lease and we had no covenant because we'd never taken leases before so yes. landlords didn't know us we had to pay one year's rent up front oh, so gosh. that was 35,000 a year and then the rest was you know buying shop fitting buying equipment yes. and then we left a bit of working capital so that came to 95 and of course I thought well this is the easy bit because my brother was a banker right so he was yeah. an investment banker and he was telling me about the billion dollar deals and yeah he just surely just picks up the chiquita phone, right? banana exactly so I was literally like can you just pick up the phone and yeah, that's all we need, just, just sort that out, like we'll be done. Of course, he had no idea, no idea how to waste 90 grand. None of his friends did either. And I literally remember we went to Waterstones together and Waterstones had a really small, small business section to the point that now when I go to bookshops and I see the business section, how enormous it is. That time it was actually on the floor. It was like at the lowest shelf. Um, but there was this one book called The Lloyds Bank TSB, How to Start a Small Business Guide by Sarah Williams. And as a whole chapter was how to raise money. And there was a surprising answer, go to a bank. And we thought, oh, go to a bank, you know, as simple as that. And I remember I kind of thought, well, if it means go to a bank, then I'll call my own bank manager. And then, of course, I had like a collection of overdrafts. So he was not the perfect person. So then we just ended up calling random bank managers again, literally open up the yellow pages and call bank managers. If they would answer, perfect. If not, just couldn't be able to leave a message, we called the next bank manager. And just the sum total is we called up 40 got interviews with 20 the first 19 said to us no way coffee bars will never work in this country because yeah. their, their premise was that we're nature tea drinkers so like who's crazy enough to bring coffee to nature tea drinkers and i remember the other thing they said was that these fancy coffee names like half calf decaf and stuff english people would never they're so american and kind of um <laughs> and then the 20th bank manager um bless him the most unlikely bank manager called mr lindop he gave us a loan and i have no idea why and I always say from that um, west, wasn't it? From that west, yes. exactly, and kind of, um, and we actually tried to interview him when my book came out to see why, because I really wanted to see like what, what was about him, and apparently he was retired, and retired bank managers want to have nothing to do with their customers. So the only oh. rationale I've got is I think this poor Mr. Lindop must have had some sort of 
learned quota. Like, you yeah. know, he hadn't given enough yeah, loans. Right. And so we had actually just gone to it like... It wasn't your... Yes, no. you're not thinking it's because you blew him away. It's actually no, no, I just think he probably had yeah. to give a loan. He was like, yeah. oh my God, well, you know, I'm just going to give a loan to these people. Because <laughs> I'm sure Because sure, he just didn't he seem knew. like he had a cup he of coffee I mean, in his life. So, But you get, you know, eventually, as you say yourself, you know, and I just, just to say, I'm quite proud of the 40 rejections. Until you read um, Howard Schultz, Starbucks, pour your heart into it. He got 279 rejections. So imagine going to 279 bank managers who saying, I mean, just, I mean, you can imagine the sheer numbers of that. You know, we always think it's just us getting the no and, you know, poor me and I can't believe it and this must be a dreadful idea. And just realising that greatness comes from, from, from the no's. I just you know? couldn't agree yeah. more. I think such a lesson, I think anyone listening now is, is getting no's is part and parcel of being successful. What a woman. I love that line, greatness comes from the nose. Zaha is just one of the most phenomenal founders I have had the pleasure to know. She exudes such passion and energy, and I just greatly respect her. She'll be joining me, actually, as a guest next week on this very podcast, too. But if you'd like to listen to her podcast with me, head over to Conversations of Inspiration. After many years mentoring small businesses and championing women founders, the imposter syndrome is something which comes up as a consistent reason as to why women are holding back from building their own businesses. Fueling this imposter syndrome is a fear of tech. And so together with Dell Technologies, we want to take the first steps in empowering women in business. So I'm thrilled to announce that Dell Technologies has joined us to continue to bring you two experts that I will interview live each week and this very podcast. And I'm also thrilled to announce that we'll be giving away an award-winning Dell XPS laptop and lots of other small business goodies to cheer you on your journey. So to be in with a chance, all you have to do is email us in your story of why winning would change your business journey. We want creative, soulful tales of how you want to be empowered to take those next steps. You can email us at tech in a box at holly.co or for all the details on how to enter head over to holly.co each week i will pick one winner and share their story right here on this very podcast good luck Ella D'Amato is my second guest this week and is the Chief Commercial and Marketing Officer of my first business baby, Not on the High Street. We talked at length about my number one specialist subject, product. And I know for those who watched live, whether they were a Not on the High Street partner or not, found this conversation really helpful, especially hearing from someone such as Ella, who has this wonderful bird's eye view of small businesses and their products right Right now. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm sat in my hallway, Holly, because I've had all kinds of reception issues. So I'm hoping you can hear me. I can hear you. And you know, we've already spoken about what this was going to be. Mercury retrograde. <laughs> so listen, um, for all of us, this, you know, those first few weeks of lockdown um, were 
unbelievable. What, what's been the impact of this time on Not on the High Street? And have there been some particular, uh, well, you and me love talking product, have there been some particular areas that have just really grown in this period of time? Firstly, I think the biggest impacts, you know, we're both big, you obviously the godmother of small business, but I um, I could love them and love them and love them as well. Um, to see the small businesses pivot in the way they have pivoted and adapt and the agility that has come through has been so inspiring, like so inspiring. And maybe we can talk a bit more about that, but that's been everything from you know, 60% of the small businesses that sell on our site work from home, but they don't normally work from home with their children. You know, like, yeah. it's been absolutely incredible to see them, at, like, embrace it in a way and think, okay, I can deal with this madness and I'm going to have my moment. Mm. Because from a customer perspective, all the options just went overnight. Yeah. And we always, I well, I always talk about with the team you know our customers aren't lazy shoppers they don't like gift oh I'll just buy them that they really put thought into what they buy and I think everybody wanted to stay connected through mm. that time and they wanted to say I miss you and you know one of our um, big lines uh, I think I saw hearts and hands company on the thing I miss your face card you know yeah missed people so much and they you know birthdays were still happening babies were still being born um and i think what the platform what the site was able to do was be that destination so people could go i'm going to send somebody i want to connect with them still and i want it to be something really thoughtful so for us it's um although it's been obviously heartbreaking watching what's happening out there mm. The small businesses on our platform, they've really had a moment. Again, we're so inspired by watching people say, okay, this thing that I've done for years and years probably isn't the right thing right now. So I'm going to rip up my business and I'm going to sell face masks, for instance. So like we've had a partner um, who used to sell spices um, and uh, weave little spice bags. An amazing partner and they literally overnight pivoted their business to do face masks for instance because they mm -hmm. saw another lovely example i love this one um sandra you know sandra from quirky gift library yes edinburgh um the famous chocolate sprouts was invented the, how could we forget <laughs> that story it's like a legendary story for not on the high street it is our legendary one um well she noticed the trend of people wanting to bake bread at home and so she partnered with a local baker. They've been selling um, baking kits and bread baking kits. And I know one of the challenges a lot of them had was how do they look after their staff at this time? How do they keep them safe? And, and actually what she did is she got them all electric bikes so that they could safely travel to and from work and obviously with the right conditions so that none of them felt they had to go on public transport, which I thought was such a lovely thing. Such a good so idea. Gosh, I've got um, a few comments. I've got many comments coming through, you can imagine. Hands and Heart Company, we all wanted human connection during this time. And yeah, you know, not that you and I are biased, but that's what you get when you shop through Not on the High Street. You instantly can buy something that connects. A couple of questions. So we've got Baby Toddler Adventure. Do you have to be a crafter to sell or Not on the High Street? Or could you sell curated gifts from a variety of small businesses? That's a really good question. So 
So no, you don't have to hand make your goods to shop, uh, to be able to be a partner on our site. Um, you can curate a range. Um, mm-hmm. and we have lots of businesses that do that for us. Um, we do, you know, through lockdown, what we've seen is the number of applications have gone crazy, actually, where people have wanted to set up their business. And we do have kind of certain criteria um, and we try not to flood the range um, so it becomes a bit overwhelming, which you can get on other marketplaces. But no, you can definitely become a partner if you're a boutique, say, and you're curating a range from other businesses. And um, Lillian May Studio, I'd love to sell my cards and my soon to be released paint your own house kits. Are, um, are there any tips for applying to not in the high streets? Yes. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so when you apply, there's a, a like a standard form you have to fill in. This is going to sound really obvious, but lots of people don't do this. Um, fill in all the boxes. It sounds really simple, but lots of people, they just fill in half the form. Um, so I would say put lots of information on the form so that the team get a really rounded view on what your business is today and what you hope your business to become and then that really helps them to be able to focus in on that's something we haven't got already that sounds amazing is it is also it's just isn't it funny that people would apply filling in half the form um but really what you're saying also is over communicate like tell us everything about yourself rather than tell us very little tell us everything i want to hear from you what you think and then maybe i'll talk as well what do we think makes a great product i mean this is the killer question isn't it it is it is um but for me it's about the emotion that product will drive and that emotion might be tears it might be laughter it might be um absolute happiness People are going to buy that and it's going to make them smile in the house or it's going to form a connection. And then on top of that, no one wants to live in a world anymore where there's just loads of stuff. That's not what anybody wants. And those days are going. And so for me, it's better to have fewer products that you love and that you would buy yourself and, you know, your friends and family would buy um, and that of quality than try and build a huge range where there's loads of things in your range where you're like, oh, I, I don't really know who would buy that or I don't really like that. So I think that's what I tend to focus on with the team when we're trying to work out what our customers will will love or not. I think that's just a perfect answer. The landfill days, you know, the sort of days where you just print something on something and then you have a hundred of those things that's now puts past, you know, the consumer now is what I call the C consumer. She's caring, she's conscious, she's a campaigner. She puts a lot of thought into things. And so every product, you almost could ask yourself, you know, what, what do I want the customer to feel? And the other thing is, I, I always find it incredible, the role photography plays when you talk about product, because you know, you know, it's a bit like ourselves, isn't it? You know, you, you, you need to make that effort. And I think another thing that's fantastic about a great product is also the way it turns up. So really putting that time and effort into the way it shows up, you know, it's, it's, so if it is meant to provoke happiness, 
your image that you put out to the world has to sort of display that. Yeah, and I think, like you say, packaging, little notes, following up with the customer, um, putting your personality around your product or your brand's personality. Like people will buy things and you're you need to think, am I gonna be memorable? When I land in that door, yes. are they gonna remember me? You know, never underestimate. I know it's so busy and it's hard, but the little notes um, and what you say um, and the little touches, the bigger brands, they don't do that. I've got some questions and comments, Ella. Um, Thoughtful Potter, so lovely to see Ella. Reminds me of my NOS days. Being a partner on NOS literally changed my life. So many people say that. It's just the most beautiful things. Um, And Man's Cookies, can you sell cookies by post on Not on the High Street? Yes. Now, I buy way too much yummy food. (laughs) from our sites I have to say I uh, have parcels arriving all the time so yes you can can and we've got you know if I think about the trends that we've seen over the last three months food and drink has been up over two thousand percent so wow in this time it's been product food hampers have been people wanting to send these care packages so food and drink is a big growing area for us the other area is garden yes it has gone insane i think everyone's been at home so everyone's gone oh i want to change my house i need to buy some new things oh and actually i'm in my garden all the time and it was a bit of a mess so those two things combined so i think people are using the the brand and the site in a slightly different way as well through this so they're using it to fill their homes with things that really shows their personality and their integrity and they're going to be in their homes a lot more. So they want to make sure they represent them properly. And there's pockets of fun and there's memories. And so we've seen all of the homeware increase incredibly. And if there's any people listening um, that are looking for um, inspiration on what maybe to, to look at, for me, garden isn't going away. That's going to be a big, big trend this year. Next year, I think people are going to spend money on creating a lovely, lovely environment I'm so happy to hear that there is this surge in these areas. Garden is just going to be huge. What other areas do you think are going to be big? Baby and child and um, kids is actually getting bigger and bigger as well for us. And I think, um, so two things in particular, especially near the start of the time. So one was, um, it is so obvious when you say it, but everyone was, going to the search bar on the site and just putting in the word hug it was literally just wow and people the partners innovated around that because we told them we're seeing more and more of this um and our best seller actually is uh kutu's pocket hug card where it's a little token i've actually got one there um a little token and you can send a hug in the post there's a hug cushion there's so many different things but so definitely people were missing that connection and, and hug products. The other thing that there's just been a huge trend on is rainbow themes. Yes, such good advice. A final question um, to you is, what would you say is your sort of, from your bird's eye point of view, a, a, a piece of advice that you could give this community? And not necessarily for this time, but just generally uh, over your four years, what what are those things that sort of resonate for um, as advice for small businesses? 
So I think very quickly, my advice for this time is don't burn out. Enjoy the momentum. Do the best you possibly can. You're having a moment, but don't burn out. And then more broader over the four years is so kind of two things really. One, really know, know who your brand is. Know yes. who your brand is. Who are you trying to sell to? Like, it sounds so obvious, but who is your product for? Know mm. what your brand is and don't be scared to test and learn new things, but keep those things within the values of your brand. And then my second thing I would say is if you choose to sell on a marketplace, if you choose to sell on a platform, connect in with that platform, really learn how am I going to make a success on this particular platform? Because yeah. it's Instagram, whether it's a different marketplace, everybody has a different way of getting visibility. I just think that's absolutely fantastic advice. Thank you Take so care, much. Ella. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. It was so glorious to see Ella. After speaking most days throughout this period, it's been the longest ever that we've gone without a meeting. So it was a real treat for me personally. We only included a short clip here of our 40 minute conversation, but we talked at length about the power of beautiful packaging. And it's something that I urge you all to really take on board and consider. It's a brilliant marketing win for your brand and you are in total control of it. It doesn't even need to be a huge business business expense. As we said, a simple handwritten note is so effective. Every week, I get the most glorious letters, packages of love and joy and messages and emails. And so I was so keen to share some of the words with you. This week, I received this beautiful handwritten note through my door. Dearest Holly, This is a massively belated thank you for my laptop. It's been a lifeline and I really can't express how truly grateful I am to you. It's probably been 20 years since I've created a piece of work, but I just wanted to send you something more than a card. The past few weeks have been a huge journey. I'm not able to reopen yet because of homeschooling, but one day I will, and I will have you to thank. On the 23rd of March, I really thought that was it. How could we weather this? How could I homeschool and weather this? Your daily bulletins and words of wisdom gave me focus and hope. Your guests were so inspirational, and Asma's interview will stay with me for many years. Not sure what normal will look like, but it certainly will look a lot brighter thanks to you. Thank you, Holly. Love, Sarah. I mean, goodness, Sarah, thank you so much for such a glorious note and the most wonderful creation. I know that so many people will be feeling the same as you with the juggle of homeschooling and our normal lives. I'm wishing you all the best for the months ahead. And to this wonderful community, please do head over to at RG Gallery over on Instagram. And also a little thank you to you, Del, for making this all possible and for your continued support and belief in this incredible community. This week's episode has really been very focused on tangible and actionable advice. So I do hope that you have found it helpful. I'd love to know what else and what other topics you would like to hear from the experts about. So do DM me. I do read every single one or pop the team an email on hello at holly.co and we will see what we can do.
The thing we all have to remember is building a business, building dreams is like one giant jigsaw. You have what looks like the most impossible task as all the pieces are jumbled up on the table, but that you start to get those corner pieces, the structure, and you start to build the edges. You can see that maybe finance would be a corner piece. Maybe another would be product or your team. And then once you have this structure, you start to feel a little more confident with the actual task at hand. But building the middle bit, well, that's not easy. Lots of trying to force one piece onto another. Mistakes are made. Sections take far too long. But as you persist, it all starts to come together. And you know what it should look like, but it's now for you to just work it through, bringing it together into one complete dream. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you love this podcast, then don't miss out on Monday's episode of Conversations of Inspiration with the brilliant Rebecca Strickson, the most phenomenal artist. I am a massive, huge fan of her work. And finally, before you go, you know what I'm going to ask you. If you want to help all those founders out there who need to hear real life business soulful stories, maybe you could just tell them about Conversations of Inspiration. I would truly appreciate it. But for now, guys, thanks. And I wish you the most wonderful rest of the week. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown. You will find that all the things that I have said will come to when you are lying in your bed. And if you want your friends to come,